about no turning back. Sometimes we may doubt and uh, whatever it is, but we just need to be headstrong and keep moving forward and not look back.
band this morning. Wasn't that exciting? Let's give them a hand. Praise the Lord. We welcome you to Crossroads. We are so thankful that you're here this morning. Would you please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle at this time? That helps us to be able to keep a better record, to be able to uh, help minister to you and to your family. Uh, just by way of announcements, we have a few announcements this week. Our Wednesday nights, God is moving and doing some great things on Wednesday evenings. We have Clubhouse Kids that meets downstairs, and that is from fifth grade all the way down. We have a nursery on Wednesday night. We have something for all the kids up through fifth grade. That's Clubhouse Kids, and God is doing something new and exciting. I keep hearing each week at building. I keep hearing all the, all the new uh, excitement, new families that are coming in through Clubhouse Kids. So that's on Wednesday evening. Help us put the word out. If you know somebody in the community that has a, has a young person that age, bring them on in. They will absolutely enjoy it. And then uh, over at our teen center from grades 6 through 12, we have an exciting time going on for them. It connects students. And so if you know somebody that's in middle school or high school, get them on out over there because uh, great things are happening. They're meeting friends and they're meeting God, and that's, uh, that's what we want to happen. And then also up here at the church, we have five options. There are five options for you to get involved into a small group of community. And uh, we want you to just plug in and jump in and find other people. Come up, make a friend. And, uh, and it's only an hour, from 6.30 to 7.15, hour and 15 minutes. But it's a time you can sit down in a, in a small group environment, be able to communicate, ask questions, and, and build some friendships. So we want to encourage you to, uh, to be a part of Wednesday nights. And then coming up on Wednesday night on October the 28th, we have uh, an outreach up here on Wednesday, October 28th. It's Trunk and Treat. And as you know, we take our parking lot and we turn it into a, just a big community time. We invite people from the community to come out and, uh, and get candy. And so what we're inviting you to do is come out and give out the candy, all right? So uh, we'd like to invite you to come. And uh, if you can do that, if you can come and hand out candy, in other words, we pull up a trunk, you decorate your trunk, maybe you want to dress up like Kim did there. She turned into Mary Poppins. And uh, you, you, could, uh, you could be dressed up and handing out candy in our parking lot as there will be hundreds of kids from our community, plus their parents will be coming, and we get to show them the love of God. So we want to encourage you to uh, be here. You can do that. Please stop by our Welcome Center and register your car uh, so that we can make plans to have you there. Um, we're, we're, we're excited about our impact that the church can have around the world. One way that we can have an impact around the world is with these shoe boxes. Uh, you'll notice they're in the foyer. I want to encourage you to take one, two, maybe ten and see what, see what you can do with them and fill them up. Basically, you take the box home, there's instructions inside what to do, and you fill it up with little gifts that we get to send this box, and some of them will go to Africa, some will go to all over Asia, they'll go all over the world, and we get to touch children's lives. And the people that are carrying the, that will be carrying these, these gifts to the kids, not only do they give them the gift, but they give them the gift of eternal life. They tell them about the love of God. So this is one way that we can have a tangible impact. Uh, the next slide up there shows, uh, shows the, uh, the kids. And just look at the joy on their faces. They open these gifts, open these boxes. So I want to encourage you, take a few of these. Uh, Ryan Kaufman, one of our young college students, he's helping run sound today. Uh, he called me up the other day. He's a student at California University. He said, Pastor Ken, can I have 100 boxes? I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll bring you 200. And uh, we did. We, I went down to California University. I took him 200 boxes. And, uh, and he, he's involved with the CUTV, like the, the air on the TV station down there. And so he got on there and he was talking about the opportunity for Cal U campus to get involved and to fill these boxes. 
So I don't know how many will come out of Cal U, but I'm excited. We've got some people down there excited about it, aren't you? That's, a, that's really exciting. So I'd like to ask you to also jump in, and maybe you could do five boxes, ten boxes, or one box, whatever it is that God leads you to do. Please take them today. Um, if, you, if you'd like to take more than just a few that you can fit under your arm, we have them flat out there that you can take them home and build the box yourself. They're at the Welcome Center. The boxes along the wall, just feel free to take as many as you can. Uh, we'll bring these back November 8th through the 15th, the week of November 8th through the 15th. And now uh, we're actually going to pray over them in our service, and then we're going to send them on around the world. So speaking of impact around the world, our birthday gift to Jesus is right around the corner. It's hard to believe we're talking about the Christmas things already. But the uh, birthday gift to Jesus is, uh, I'd like to ask you to pull out, look in your bulletin and pull out the, uh, the, the list here for the birthday gift to Jesus. And if you would just look at that with me, and just look, you know, as you open it, you'll notice it's our highest school yet, $75,000. And we're asking the Lord to, to meet the needs of these missionaries. And we're asking the Lord to, to provide through us so that we could, we could be, participate in his work. Uh, you'll notice that they're, they're centered around Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, that's uh, based upon the Great Commission here in Acts 1.18. You will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we've tried to show that our, the light that shines the brightest, uh, shines the brightest at home, shines the furthest. And that's uh, where we're starting here. You'll see some of the missionaries right around locally. I got to spend some time this weekend with one of the church planners on here, David Douthit. Uh, we were at a conference, and, and uh, it was my, my, him and his wife, me and my wife, and Pastor Allen and his wife. And so we, the six of us were sitting down having lunch, and David began to tell us testimony. And we were, just, we were just so engaged by what he was saying about how he came to Christ and how he's now the pastor of his church. And he's got 60 people that are coming up there in Dunbar. I mean, if you can find 60 people in Dunbar, that's a miracle. If you've ever been there, it's the middle of nowhere. I went up there, and I was like, where do people live? You don't have a church. And God's using him. And it's just so exciting what God is doing. So that, that's just one of the people on there, and we're going to hear from hear different things throughout the coming weeks about what God is doing. And uh, but I want to ask you to begin to pray about your part. If we all will join together as a church and pray and say, Lord, uh, that's a big goal. We want to do your work. We want to touch people around the world. And uh, here's seventy-five thousand dollars worth that we're asking God to provide. If we would all begin to pray and just ask God how He would use us, how He would provide the funds how we would use you to provide some of those funds. And we'll be talking more about this in weeks to come. November the 2nd, we'll begin our offering, and we'll give over a 10-week period towards this offering. But uh, we want you to begin to be thinking and praying about that now. And speaking of uh, global impact, we're, we're going to be able to take a missionary trip ourselves around the world uh, to Ecuador. Uh, right here in, um, in June, June 20 through the 27th, we'll be heading down there. If you are interested in going to Ecuador, we ask that you'd stay for an informational meeting next Sunday after church. We won't be long. We'll be about a half-hour meeting. But uh, we just kind of want to get the ball rolling, see who's interested in going, and let you know further details. So uh, that is next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service. If you're unable to stay for the meeting, please call the church and let us know of your interest in, uh, in going to Ecuador so that we can begin to build that. All right? So at this point, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward this morning. Let's all stand together as we receive the morning offering. And uh, as we give unto the Lord, I just want to remind you of the miracle God is doing. He is transforming lives. He's transforming families. 
Um, and I know that you're, you've been seeing what God is doing in your life. And uh, we, that all comes from the hand of the Lord. And we're just so thrilled about who He is. We're thrilled about these opportunities. We get to impact our community. Uh, you know, as we talk about Ecuador and around the world, the light has to shine the brightest right here. Amen? We want it to shine strong. We want to go out and we want to, we want to bring people to church on Sunday, on Wednesday, trunk and treat, all these opportunities. Why? Because we have a big mission to transform our community for Christ. And that's what our church has always been about and what it will always be about. And as we give this morning, that's what we give. We give unto the Lord, and He transforms lives. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, and we are honored to be in your presence, Lord. I, uh, I just thank you so much. I stand in awe of the great, mighty hand of who you are. You have worked in mighty ways in our church, Lord. This has been an incredible summer. We've seen you move and bring families to Christ. We're seeing, seeing our church take an take a excitement for who you are. We're, we're passionate about Jesus. We're passionate about bringing our friends, relatives, and neighbors to Jesus Christ. Lord, I now ask that as we follow you in giving, you've given us everything. You did the ultimate sacrifice. When you went to the cross, you gave all. And today, we're happy that we can give some. We thank you today, Lord, that as we give, that you, you will take and you will use these gifts for your honor and your glory, and you'll transform lives, Father. We thank you for who you are. We ask that your blessing be upon your people as they respond to you and as they give to your holy name. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
open our Bibles today, please, to the book of First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 4. You know, I love those statements that uh, we've been seeing on that video clip. They're so profound, really, and so tremendous. Today I'd like to talk to you about uh, how to change the seven significant areas of your life by prayer. And uh, when you do that, uh, lots of other things change as well. And so we're going to read, first of all, from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and uh, he is passing on his wealth of information to the next generation. Timothy is the next generation. And uh, he wants Timothy to be noted uh, everywhere he goes as a good minister of Jesus Christ. And if you were here last week, I told you that all of us are ministers. Everybody is a person who has a ministry of some sort. I know that whenever you think of the word minister, you think of somebody standing behind a pulpit like this this morning or somebody opening the Bible in a Sunday school class. But a minister is a servant, a servant of God, wherever we may be. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy right here. Listen, Timothy, you've got to be a good one. And he says, first of all, you have to be nourished in the words of faith. That's the Bible. You have to be a person of the word. Someone told me one time that they have never seen a growing Christian who was not a person of the word of God. I know the reason why you're here in church this morning is because you want to grow in God. You want to uh, develop. You don't want to be like a nominal Christian, uh, a symbolic Christian, a Christian name only. Uh, you want to have some impact in your life. I believe that at the end of life, the only thing that will really matter is, is the impact that you have had on your circle of influence. And uh, in the last analysis... Uh, that is the important thing, impact. Look at verse number 7 with me, please. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Now, that's kind of an awkward statement, and we don't really understand uh, what that all means, old wives' fables. But I think that we can deduce from that this morning that what it's saying to us is don't waste your time in unnecessary things. You know, time is valuable, isn't it? And all of us are working against the clock. Some of us are closer to the end, end of the clock than others. But all of us are working toward the clock, and the, the clock stops for no one. It just keeps moving on. And so I think that whenever we read verse number 7 here, we could look at it in that respect. Don't waste your time. But it tells us, not only does the Bible tell us what not to do, it tells us what to do. Look at it. Exercise yourself toward godliness. The word exercise there is the Greek word gymnazo, from which we get the English word gymnasium. 
And what Paul is telling Timothy here is, I want you to train, go to the gym. I think there are probably a lot of people in our church who go to the gym, some workout center somewhere. Uh, you go, you lift some weights, you run on the treadmill, you do other things. Uh, you're, trying to, you're trying to stay in shape. Paul here is telling Timothy, listen, you have to stay in shape spiritually. And you have to build yourself up to be a strong soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice here it says, train yourself or exercise yourself. You're, you know, your spiritual development is, is not dependent upon the church. It's not dependent upon your family. It's not dependent upon your friends. It's dependent upon you. You're the person that writes the check to God, and God cashes the check. God says to all of us, he wants us, as we mentioned last week, to be a fruit bearer. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. But it's up to us to train ourselves. That's our business. We are in the training business. Exercise yourself toward godliness. The word godliness there is from the old English word God-likeness. Now, I know that's a heavy thought for you to think that, that God wants you to be like him, but that's exactly what he wants. And, you know, this is really nice because because we don't look at each other as uh, the goal or our aspiration. We look at God. You know, sometimes when we look at some people in the church and we say, boy, I wish I, w I, wish I could be like them. Well, you know, that's really undercutting what you could be. Because when you look at God and you make Him your goal, your standard, uh, you can, the sky's the limit for you. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, or where you're going. God has a big plan for your life. I believe it from the bottom of my heart. God has something very, very powerful for you. Train yourself toward godliness. A few years ago, we had a pastor's fellowship meeting here at our church, and that simply means pastors coming together to, to fellowship, to talk, to cry on each other's shoulder, to encourage each other. And we had a little devotion from this passage of Scripture, and I was going around the table where the pastors were sitting, and I asked them this question. Uh, what is the main goal of your life? I mean, what is the main goal of your life? And it was interesting, though, uh, the responses that we got from the pastors. One pastor said, you know, I really never thought about that, having a main goal for my life. And I think, I think the reasoning behind that is, you know, we have so many goals in life, don't we? Most of us have our to-do list every day. It's really big, right? And we write it down and we check it off and we think, boy, I made another day. And then we start making the list again for the next day. And we went around the table that day and, and nobody really had a good definition of the main goal of their life. And so I proposed to them this idea. Don't you think that the main goal of our life is to be like Christ. Godliness. No one has ever disputed me when I made that statement, when I made that statement to them. Now that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. And that's not just a, a, sh a short journey. It's not something that happens in a week or a month or a year or a decade. It happens over the period of a lifetime. 
as we put our eyes on Christ and we begin to take on his characteristics, that's really what, he, what it means, his attitudes and his characteristics. So Paul says to Timothy, listen, I want you to train yourself. Now my question this morning in the church is this, how is our training program going? How are we doing in training ourselves to be more like Christ? Let's look at verse number eight. For bodily training profits a little. Now the older you get, the more it profits, right? Uh, you see a lot of older people, they're out there at the park, man, they're working out. Uh, they're, keeping their, they're keeping their muscles in tone. Uh, they're trying to build up their heart. Uh, sometimes people sit at a job all day long and they play with a computer. I mean they work on the computer, excuse me. That's real work. That's tiring work. And so they have to get out and they have to work their body. And so uh, Paul is conceding that here in verse number 8. He says, listen, I'll go with that idea. Bodily exercise profits a little, but he compares it to spiritual exercise. But godliness is profitable for all things. Now this is good, and, and I think that some people struggle with this. You know, God is in the business of giving you the best spiritual life that you can have. He wants none of us to be a failure, spiritually speaking. He wants all of us to be successful. And so as we train ourselves to, be, to have the attitude of Christ, uh, to have the attributes of Christ, and as we grow year by year, and we begin to change, we call that spiritual metamorphosis. As we begin to change, everything gets better. And what, what I mean by that is this. We become a better husband the more godly we become. We become a better wife the more godly we become. We become a better church member the more godly we become. We, be, we become a better worker on our job the more godly we become. And so this whole idea of godliness encompasses every single thing that we participate in in life, our whole existence, our whole lifestyle. And so this needs to be our goal, uh, to develop ourselves, to be in the right position, to discipline ourselves. In other words, go to the gym and work out. Now how do we work out? Well, we work out in the Word. Uh, you have to be a person of the Word of God for this to work. Because as we grow in Christ, we find out in the Word how to be a better husband. We find out in the Word how to be a better wife, how to be a better church member, how to be a better worker on the job. It's all in the Bible. All the information is there. And so, as we assimilate the truths of the Word of God into our life, our life begins to change. Now, on your notes for today, my title is Building Up the Seven Significant Areas of Your Life by Prayer. And I've listed on your notes seven important areas in your life, in my life, that we all have to grow in. First of all, there's that spiritual area. And I'd like to ask you to write on that line, how can I draw closer to God? Because that's what spirituality is. Spirituality is not you going through the motions of church. 
it's not showing up, it's not checking the boxes, it's how close we walk to Christ. It's our, I'd like to use the word relationship with Christ. Remember I've been talking to you about an introduction to Christ, an acquaintance with Christ, and a relationship with Christ. Now that's the, that's kind of the format of being a Christian. You know, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, that's simply an introduction. We were introduced to Christ. Uh, we put out our hand, and he grasped our hand and brought us into the family of God. That's an introduction. I think that there are many people in the church that have an acquaintance with God. They know him a little bit. They know Christ a little bit. They, they uh, know him in a casual way. Now, relationship is something different than that. A relationship is something like uh, a closeness, an abiding, a remaining, a, a practicing the presence of Christ type thing. That's what a relationship is. A relationship is when we wake up in the morning and our first thought is on God. And when we go to bed at night, our last thought is upon God. And when our feet hit the floor in the morning, we think, God, here we go. And then when we have our devotions in the morning and we open our Bible and we say, Lord, this is the happiest moment of my life today when I see in your word what you have for me today. And then whenever we go through our praise and thanksgiving and our supplication and our confession to God, uh, that's a relationship. And when we walk with him and talk with him throughout the whole day, that's a relationship. And so I want you to grade yourself this morning in church, all right? How can I draw closer to God? Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, when you show up at the emergency ward at the hospital uh, and you have this terrific pain in your side, sometimes the nurse says, now on a scale of 1 to 10, how is your pain? And you say, well, I think it's 14 right now. We, we use that scale from 1 to 10. Now, I'm asking you this question this morning. Where are you in your relationship with God? Now, if you've just been introduced to Christ, that's a good thing. And uh, there's nothing bad about that at all. That's just the beginning of your Christian life. But if you've been a Christian a long time and you only have an acquaintance with him, that's not very good things need to change. We want to all move up into that relationship category. You may be here and you, you walk very closely to God. Maybe you're a 10, really. I guess we could have a few of them in the church. Or maybe you're an 8 and, uh, and your heart beats for Christ. That's good. But if you're lower than those, uh, how do we change those things? Uh, do, we, do we just feel like, hey, I'll never be a great Christian? No. We come to the Lord in prayer. You see the last two words of our title? By prayer. Building up the seven significant areas of our life by prayer. We pray to the Lord and what do we pray? Lord, help me be the best disciple that I can be. And do you know what the, the answer to that prayer is? You know what it is, right? God doesn't sit back and scratch his head and say, well, I wonder what I'll do with that request. He yearns to hear that from you. He yearns to hear that from me. Help me, Lord, to be the best follower of Christ that I can be. 
Let's move on to the next one. How can I care for my body? You know, our body is the temple of God. And as you read through the scriptures, you find that so in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. God has moved in through the power of the Holy Spirit into our body. He, the scripture uses the word, he dwells within us forever. Our body is his temple. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. You have to take care of your body. God only gives you one. Now I know toward the end of, the life, end of your life, there's a lot of replacement parts we get, right? And we always have that going on in the church, you know? People come into the church and say, I got a new replacement part. But you know, the body is significant because the Lord wants us to have the energy that we need, physical energy that we need to serve him. And he doesn't take lightly how we treat the temple of God. Our body is a gift from God. It's the vehicle that God uses in our life to serve him. How can I care for my body? Listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 9.27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Always have your body under control. Never let your body control you. Now, I know that in our society, that's very, very hard to do. Because already at this time of the day, you're thinking about burgers and dogs, aren't you, right now? And so, we need help from God. We really do. We're not in a society looking for our next meal. We are in a society trying to figure out how not to have that next meal. And so we need the help of God in order to do that. I, uh, I had a pastor friend, of, uh, his name was Bruce Melton, a very wonderful pastor. And he had a heart problem, had a big heart operation. And, uh, you know, when you have a heart operation, they always say, listen, now you get the rest of your life, you have to be a walker. Uh, you have to be, a, you have to get on your bicycle, you have to pump uh, blood through your veins, and, and that he did. Uh, he was very disciplined at it. And uh, I met him at a fellowship meeting one time, and I, I said, uh, you know, when you get a certain age, everybody asks you when you're going to retire. And he was that age, and I said to him, you know, when are you going to retire in the ministry? And his answer was this. He said, uh, if my treadmill breaks down, that's when I retire. And what he meant by that is you need strength in the ministry. You need your body to be in good condition in order to serve the Lord. And I throw out these two ideas to you today, fasting and exercise are extremely important as a Christian. Uh, we need to uh, fast if we can. Now, not everybody can do that. Uh, some people have medical conditions that are unable to do that, but we can fast from other things other than food. Fasting is not only just for food. But keep in mind that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that we have, to, we have to look at it in that light. 
This is the blessing that God has given to us. The next thing is our family. Write this, please, on that line. How can I care for the needs of my family? You know, family is important. Ephesians 5.21 says this, Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. I believe that refers to husband and wife. One to another. There are times in our life that we men need to submit to our wives. We need to listen to them. We need to take in their advice. Uh, God gave us our wives to keep us in check, don't you think? For sure. Joanne tries to do that in my life. I tell people this. I wish I would have listened to my wife many, many times when we were younger in our married life. Because when you get on this side later in life, you realize that many of her suggestions were really right on. And, and vice versa. Sometimes we're to listen to our wives uh, they, when they give us the input. And, and wives, sometimes we're to listen to our husbands. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear and the respect of the Lord. Our family life is important. Josh McDowell, uh, a very famous Christian, said, My family is my ministry. That's what he said. My family is my ministry. That's where it all begins. I remember one day I got a telephone call from a lady, and she said, Listen, my husband and I need counseling. Will you talk to us? I said, Sure. And so she brought him into the office. She drug him into the office and uh, plopped him down there. And she began to unload all of her grief about her husband. And uh, she said, you know, my husband pretends to be a good Christian. You know, wives know whether a husband's real or not. You know that. My husband pretends to be a good Christian. He spends so much time working on the church. He's always at the church. He's always out witnessing to people. He's always doing what he says, the work of God. But he completely ignores us at home. Our house is falling down. He won't fix it. But he'll work on the church. And so it created uh, a, a lot of trouble in that home. That man did not realize, follow me, that his family was first and foremost his ministry. What shall it profit a man if he win the whole world and lose his family? And so, in order for us to be the ministers that God wants us to be, we have to have a strong family. We have to put our family first. And uh, that's important. You know, when two people get married, uh, they have a decision to make. Will they live on the island of me, or will they live on the island of we? You know, if you live on the island of me, that means there's a barrier between you and your wife. But if you live on the island of we, that means there's a, there's a wall around you together. And that's where we need to be. It's about us. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul talked about husbands pleasing their wives and wives pleasing their husbands. And that's always the best thing. Just think what our life would be if our wives would wake up in the morning and say, boy, my goal today is going to be to please my husband. Now, that would be really cool, wouldn't it? Or vice versa. Uh, if each person was trying to please each other throughout the day, wouldn't our, wouldn't our homes be so much better uh, than they may be right now? Sure. Uh, how, how am I taking care of my family? Let's go on to the next area. Vocational. That's our job. How can I be the best I can be where I work? 
You know, God has blessed us with a job, you know, that a, a means of income, uh, a place to go to to provide some money for, the, for our family and for the work of Christ. And so we need to be the best that we can be. Uh, Titus 2.9 has always been attractive to me. It says this, Slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Now we take this verse and we use it in our context of people who are over us, people who are in charge of us, our, employ our employers and employees. Uh, we are not to talk back, we're not to steal at work. We must show ourselves entirely trustworthy and good and then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. You know, the greatest mission field you have is where you work, the people you work with, the guy you drive to work with in your car, uh, the person in the next cubicle over there, the people you have lunch with. That's your ministry. And you know, if you're the best and you can strive to be the best, the best employee, you will have the respect of your boss, you will have the respect of your peers. And whenever they have a need in their life, you know who they're going to come to? They're going to come to you. And they're going to say, listen, I know you walk with God. I know you have a spiritual connection. I have a need. Many, many people have been won to Christ because Christians have had a good testimony. And I always tell people, listen, in the workplace, be the first one there. Be the last one to leave. Have a good attitude. Appreciate and thank God for your job. And God will bless you if you have that attitude. Be the best one. Because that gives you a platform from which you can preach the gospel. It really does. You know, the boss is not going to come to you and say, Hey, listen, I have a problem. If he knows you've got so many problems, you don't know what to do with yours. Be the best. The next is personal growth. How can I be stronger mentally and emotionally? You know, all of us have to go stronger mentally and emotionally. Uh, we live in a world of information. And uh, we have to build ourselves up, uh, not only for now, but for the future. And we do that through the Word of God, the wisdom of God in the Bible. And I'll tell you the reason why we have to be stronger, because as you get older, life gets harder. You know, when two people meet in high school, they think, oh, this is really cool, we're going to get married. <laughs> or they, they meet each other in college, they say, this is really great, I, I'm going to get this little white house out there with a white fence, and we're going to have two kids, and it's going to be a beautiful life. But then two sinners move to, to end together under one roof. Whoa! I never thought it was going to be like this. This is hard. And then the kids come along and the kids have problems and, uh, and they won't mind at school or they, have it, or they have learning disabilities. And you find, I didn't sign. Somebody told me this. I didn't sign up for this. You know, there's a lot of things in life we don't sign up for. That's why we have to become stronger mentally and emotionally to deal with it. Uh, life's going to get tough. When the teenage years come to pass, somebody was telling me the other day, they said, listen, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. That was a parent, not the kid. Kid was doing fine. 
parent was going crazy. I, the parent says, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this thing. Well, uh, and, then, uh, and then it's the whole dating scene and the parents, and then you're wondering, am I going to be in jail uh, because of this? You know, is the pastor going to have to visit me in the jail ministry? And then you get through that and then uh, your kids get married and they have kids and it's like, whoa, man, it's just like, it goes from one level to the next. We have to grow. The next area is social. How can I interact with our community? And then lastly, financial. How can I live within my means? Uh, Romans 13.8 implies pay your bills on time. Uh, The best testimony that a Christian can have is that they pay their bills on time. Uh, This is important. Luke 16.11 says, And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? You know, our, our, what, the money that God gives us, he wants us to manage it rightly. Uh, I remember I had a Sunday school teacher one time. He said, I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to live like one. And uh, that's a dangerous thing. Uh, years ago, we had a family conference here at our church. And a good, good man came and was talking about the family. And he said, listen, you need to get out of debt. And so Joanne and I went home and we said, okay, we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to get out of debt. We had credit cards. And so the first thing we did is we had a funeral for our credit cards. We cut them up. And I don't know exactly how long it took us to get out of debt, but we didn't buy anything for a long, long time. We didn't go to eat out. We didn't do anything. That was our goal. We're going to get out of debt. And I remember when we finally realized that goal I was out at the mall one day and I bought a pair of shoes. I reached down in my pocket and I actually paid for the shoes with real money. I couldn't believe it. It was like a new experience for me. It was wonderful. It was like freedom. Uh, That's important. How we handle our money as a Christian. Pay our bills on time. Uh, I knew a pastor in Pittsburgh on the east side. And he was a wonderful pastor. And uh, he was actually an evangelist before he became a pastor. And, and you have to be a good speaker if you're an evangelist. And he was. He was excellent. And he became a pastor and he did very well in his church. And people loved him in the church. And he was a good pastor. Uh, he had a nice family. But he had a problem on this list that I just gave you. He had a spending addiction. He couldn't be happy unless he was spending money. And he lied. He would go places and buy things and lie about it to his wife. And uh, It was crazy. I never heard of anything like that. Joanne gives me an allowance every, every week or so to provide a little bit of money. But he, he didn't have that. Uh, and so he had this spending addiction. He couldn't control it. He lost his church. He lost his family. He lost everything he was trying to work for because one of these areas that I'm speaking to you about this morning didn't work for him. And the reason why it didn't work is because he never learned to take his problem to God. God is more than able to break any addiction because he's God. God is more than able uh, to... Help us to be the best Christian we can be. He is more than able to help us to have 
the healthiest physical lifestyle that we can have. He is more than able to put a broken family together and make it stronger again. That poor pastor did not change his life because he did not go to God. Now, I've covered seven significant things here this morning, and I don't want you to be depressed if you didn't grade yourself very good on any of these things. I don't want you to be depressed about that. I just want you to do something about it. I want you to take this list and put it in your prayer material and look at it and give it to God and watch God change your life. Because if God doesn't change your life in some of these areas, you'll never be the person God designed you to be. God wants you to be the best and he has the power to make you the best. So let's rely on God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in prayer. I'd like to ask you this morning to respond in some way to what we've talked about. As we move through those seven things, you probably thought, I wish you'd move on to the next one because this one is really bothering me. Well, that's the one that God wants you to work on. Maybe it's you're not very close with God today. Listen, that can change so fast, you'd never believe it. All you have to do is ask God for a miracle in your life to change your attitude to make you the disciplined Christian to begin training yourself in the word of God and in prayer maybe you're depressed about your physical condition uh, and things of that nature but just give it to God this is not a problem for the, for the Lord it's a problem for you but not for God or your family you know there are times in our life that that God works through those family things and then there comes times again in our life that God has to do it again. Well, God is able to do it every time we come to him. And so let's just give that area to God. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's uh, our interaction in the community or our finances. Whatever it is, just say, Lord, do a work in my heart right now in this church this morning. Draw me closer to you. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your word and how it speaks to every issue of our life. And we ju I just pray that you'll help us to be submissive in every area. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song together. And if you'd like to come and pray about any area of your life or an issue of a friend, just feel free to do that.